Hi, uh, welcome to Movie Butts. Uh, this is our podcast where we do a bunch of math and uh, determine the best and the worst of a certain topic, whether it be a filmmaker, a studio, a series, an actor, you know, the fucking Oscars, whatever. And um, we decide the best and the worst and we talk about them. I'm Arnie Joe. I'm Dane. Do you have that written down? No. Okay, because you say a similar thing every time, but I swear it's different. It is different every time. It's because I, you know, I, I try and make it feel a little bit more organic and not just have my script, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I want I want the least amount of this to be um, as, well, you know, clinical mm-hmm. as possible, as, as, as least clinical as we can be when it's it comes to something. It's a free-flowing experience. That involves math, you know? Math, we keep the math, you know, it's it's really intense math that I do. I, um... I tend to uh, aggregate a whole bunch of different things, whether it be IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, you know, and, you know, I've got to look at that math all week to determine what we're watching. So, I, you know, when it comes to the day, to game day, let's keep yeah. it free-flowy, you know? It's scientific. It's, a, it's if scientific. We're gonna be, if we're going to be that scientific, we've got to loosen up a bit. Exactly. This is, this is party day, you know? Um, anyway, what did, we, uh, what did we watch this week, Dane? We watched Die Hard 1 and Die Hard 5. So, uh, when it came to the math, it was it was, almost, it was decided before I even sat down what, uh, what was going to win and what was going to lose. Not, not simply because I'm lazy or I rigged it like uh, one time, <laughs> but, but just simply because if you watch these movies, it's really clear what is the best... And what is the worst? Yeah, um, this was an obvious one. Obvious. So the the best is always is is the first one. It made a, a decent amount of money. It's 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 one of those. Uh, it's it's weird to call something that's successful a cult classic. Do you know what I mean? But it has but it has such longevity appeal. Yeah, I'll say has... that the the diehard fan base. Oh, that was a. Sh- Pun. Sorry about Pun, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the real like hardcore diehard fan base, um, I would consider like a cult. Like yeah. people who at Christmas are like, "What's your favorite Christmas movie?" Mine's Die Hard. It's like, ah, uh, okay, yeah, that movie's. Well, we'll get into it, but <laughs> yeah, it's a good Christmas film. You know, I understand why people say it's their favorite Christmas film. It, yeah, because they're not- trying to be smart. Yeah, they're, they're trying. They're being a bit ironic, you know. Yeah. Oh, um, you thought I was going to say The Grinch, but it's Die Hard. It's Die Hard. No, because it's I'm technically like set movies. during Christmas. Yeah. It's like oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and the the worst one is the abortion known as A Good Day to Die Hard, or just Die Hard Five. I don't even think it's called anywhere Die Hard Five. It's just the fifth mm. Die Hard. Maybe not aborted, but possibly the child of a neglected parent. It's a coat hanger baby. You know, like they tried and it didn't work. So but it, they still uh, gave birth to it and we all they have still to gave birth it. to it. I apologize to any coat hanger babies out there. I don't, you know, you, 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 you're as valued as all of us, except which is not very much, which is not very much. We're all on an even keel <laughs> of not being really worth much at all, except for Die Hard 5. It can go fucking eat a hairy homeless person's dick. Yeah. That's the thing um, we're allowed to hate. Yeah, I, a good day to die hating Die Hard. 
Um, <laughs> anyway, um, just in case there is someone who's lived under a rock their entire life, um, do you mind giving uh, a a um, plot description of the uh, original Die Hard? Yeah, so it's a guy trapped in a building with terrorists. And uh, that's pretty much it. But there's some light character backstory that gives you a sense of who these people are. And some also in the villains, they have a clear motivation. You can tell what they're doing, like why they're doing it. And uh, there's a few different relationships, not exactly subplots, but different relationships he forms during the... As, as, as events go on. Um, but it's very, very simple premise, super basic. Mm. So it's about a, it's about a cop from New York that accidentally gets invited. Is that, is that, do they kind of clear that up that he was accidentally invited? No, his wife invites him. His wife invites him to the Christmas party of Nakatomi, which is a multi-conglomerate company. Mm. Anyway, while he's in the bathroom unwinding, a bunch of terrorists take over the building, take everyone hostage, but he's the one person that isn't taken hostage um and, and, and he, he proceeds... has he has just his gun yeah and with a clip in it and yep. he's in his pajamas like he's wearing yep. a singlet and some trackies and he doesn't have any shoes on and he yep. gets stuck like that and 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 that honestly that makes for such an interesting situation in my opinion you know <clears throat> yeah like the it's... reason this works is in details like that like i gave the basic synopsis but it's in the details like that about the backstory about him being a cop, the backstory about him being an outsider there because his wife and him are going through a divorce of sorts. They're trying to figure it out because he didn't follow her there. But mm. she's working in this big building now and getting a good career for herself. So mm. you have that's your first like relationship that's at, at play here that's going to change over the course of the events. But it's mm. in these details like rather than just a guy in there, it's like what if he has no shoes which is such a creative idea that it's like, what if he has no shoes? Like he's in his pajamas and he just starts with a gun. And that's, that's what makes all the action scenes so good. He's at such a crippling disadvantage the entire time. You know, except for, of course, when he gets more weapons and stuff, but he is, he's, he's on the back foot. Yeah, but then it's fun to watch him accumulate more shit. Sure, like, it's not an Arnie movie, you know, like an Arnie movie or a Stallone film. A lot of the time, you know, they're they're superheroes. You know, I mm. think Bruce Willis is a great example of a of an action star that does have that average Joe appeal. If you know what I mean? Yeah, they full play to the average Joe thing and put him at a huge disadvantage. And yeah, probably you're right. Around this time, it was a lot of like watch. Um, Stallone walk into a room and just easily beat the shit out of everyone and be the best. It's Fucking like like Commando or something, you know those that kind of yeah yeah like ex soldier who fucking yeah has arms bigger than my <clears throat> fucking face yeah and then he doesn't can... like take out five guys in a second and take their gun and then he's like thanks for the gun his yeah there's like I think there's like twelve terrorists and that's who he's taking out slowly but surely through the film. It's not, it's not like an army of ninjas. Or and they something. all feel threatening. Like even the most throwaway guys he gets, like 
he, they don't just wander in and he fucks them up. Like they stalk him around and you feel, like they feel threatening every single one of them. Mm. I'm I'm actually having like that. There's so many good points to this film. It's hard for me to just pin down one aspect of it that makes it really good. No, you know? it's full. Like, it's full. Like because everything individually doesn't sound impressive, but it's the sum of its parts. Like all of the <clears throat> like they knew exactly. They had a simple idea. They knew exactly how much to twist it to make it narratively interesting, and um. And they had a like a very basic way of approaching it, but they nail it like every time, even in like little cutaway shots, there's interesting things happening. Like to to show him like the, the guy standing there with the card on his name at the beginning. We we uh track him down to like these trolleys that come moving past and then they they move away to reveal the sign. And then he slowly walks over to it and there's like a, another motion shot there. And then he has, says some snappy dialogue. And it's just like in that moment, I was like, this is a quality film in every regard. It's a highly mm. professional effort. It's got the action. It's got, it's got the drama and the relationships. Um, it's also, you know, it's got, yeah, it's, it's got a bit of everything uh, in spades, actually. Um, I, I was just trying to think about what, what would make this slightly different or better than, say, a lot of its peers. Um, I, think, I think almost every character is fleshed out enough. Like, I believe all of the supporting characters, you mm. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, you can't really mm. say for everything. Even if it's, a, even that, even that there's that turd sandwich of a dude that wants to fuck his wife. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's barely in it, but when he is in it, I'm like, I know this guy. You know, this is a yeah. Th- they put effort into making him uh, more than just that character. You know. Yeah, or at least like knew how well to treat that kind of character. You didn't want to give him too much to do or too hectic of a backstory or a complication. It's a, it's a simple idea of a character, and he exists there for a reason, and he just does that reason really well that's that that's a part that's played really well like he was Mm. so he's so awful (laughs) and slimy and he's so good at playing that like when Mm. he comes in and does the uh the salesman pitch to hans gruber (laughs) like Mm. that whole he's like hans booby like a full (laughs) sleazy 80s salesman um and it's a great scene and he's Mm. yeah he's really good and he's barely in it but he's super Mm. memorable it's a, I, I, can't, I can't remember how I think this movie's over two hours but mm. doesn't feel like that at all you know it just pretty it goes it, it goes pretty quickly yeah you it, know it chugs along at a consistent pace from just, the opening frame yeah and it, and it no it doesn't it doesn't slow it there aren't really slow parts where you know oh well clearly we're you know mm. exiting the second act or something mm. and you know they kind of take a back foot no it's it, it it almost continually escalates um no and here's a here's a thing about this what i really noticed and enjoyed about watching an action movie from the 80s of this caliber compared to shitty modern day action movies that don't know how it's done like die hard five and it's like you have to make every single moment feel like it's super intense and that the movie's not allowed to pause ever. It just has to be very fast. Mm. Um, and it's like the beginning of this film is a very casual conversation that he has with a guy about 
um, flying and to go back and, um, you know, wrestle the carpet with his feet. Uh, and that also sets up a reason why he has no shoes, but mm. it's also, it's establishing who he is, how he interacts with the stranger being friendly to him, tells you a bit about him. Yeah. Um, and it, and it just is slow and takes its time. It doesn't have to try to like rush things along and, and, and shake the camera around and be like, it's nonstop action. Mm. Uh, this movie does feel like nonstop action though, but it has heaps of down moments like that where things are allowed to be tense. Yeah, but it's like it's like it's like Lego. Like it, it all fits together, you know. Like I, I can tell you when I was watching this as I was a ki- as a kid, I, I wasn't really making <clears throat> connections between what the guy said on the plane to why he didn't have shoes on, you mm. know. But but you know, as you get older and you know you you start to understand the tapestry and the it's it's just it's very clever. You yeah, know? and like when he goes into the building and meets the owner. He says, nice building you got here. And he says, oh, when it's finished, the top floors still aren't done. And that's it. And then, yeah. But that explains why he goes to the top and he's running around all these like semi-unfinished rooms, which yeah. isn't something that you have to put in there. But mm-hmm. it is nice when, they, when, when you can find a, a way to do it without ruining shit and giving exposition and boring people. So it's just like, that's what I mean by like, the writing's not amazing but it's it's sharp. What it's, what, it's well what can done. you fault about the what what about the writing didn't you like? What 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 could have been better about Die Hard? Uh the only thing the only thing I'd say I have a problem with is the ending which is um after it's all kind of done there's a few there's a few things, right? First of all when he gets into the limo and drives off I, I didn't like that. He should have gotten into an ambulance because yeah. I was, what was really drawing me into this was how fucked up and seriously injured this guy gets. And yeah. that's, that's part of it because he, it goes through these absurd things like jumping off the roof with the, the thing around and jumping through glass. Yeah. But he gets fucked by that shit. Like he gets cut up by glass. There's a part mm. where he's walking around on glass in his bare feet and he looks fucked up and he takes a toll from this. Like when his wife finally sees him at the end, she goes, I forget what she says, but she's like, Jesus Christ, because he looks fucking wrecked. The, and then for the- him to just come out and hop in a limo, kiss his wife and drive off into the sunset. I'm like, this cunt needs a, an ambulance. Yeah. You know, I didn't even think about it. Like I think I think at the I think at the end of the day, if that's your main problem, I think it's doing all right. Another you know? problem I had was the um, the story of the the cop who shot a kid and then he redeems himself by shooting a guy who should have already been dead. At the end, it just feels tacked on and pointless. Um, it's I, I commend them for trying to like doing these little things to make that character feel. A bit more than just a kind of exposition, because he's—that's very much what he is. He's kind of just translating mm. to the um, to the audience and to, or more to those police. See, what I, John's I, going through. Yeah, you know, I thought that um, it was that it was enough without that. I just would have taken that out, and it's like, like we said before, they they develop each character even ones you could excuse for them not doing it it makes for it to become better with the cop i thought you could have taken the 
shooting a kid thing completely out of it and just have we're, we're learning what kind of guy he is through his interactions with John. So we are getting attached to this character. Um, and also you could just make him like a bit of a pussy uh, where he's like, why don't you, um, why are you not on the street? And he's like, honestly, I'm kind of a coward. And then he learns a bit of bravery by interacting with this guy who's the complete opposite so of him. So you don't have an issue with him shooting the person. You have yeah, an issue and, with yeah, and that, it being I, related to the kid thing. No, I have a problem with him shooting the guy as well. Okay. I just, I was done. Like that final thing, I was like, that's, that's tacky. It is a bit, bit of the whole scream thing where it's like, there's one last scare. No, you know? was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it didn't need that. I think the movie's better than that. It felt cheap. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think that, to me, those things don't detract enough for me, you know? No, definitely not to call it bad. It's, I still think it's great. It's just like, I have to sit there and be like, mm. what would I What would I change? Like, what's a part that, any part that I could cut out and i wouldn't care and that's the Mm. only shit that came up was like right at the end but it's almost a perfect movie up to that point for me Uh, i i have a problem with the police commissioner right that cunt fucking hell like i it's he's infuriatingly yeah he's too um, cunty too cunty like it's a bit it's it's just like how did you get this far in your job if you're this stupid mm. you know um listen just try and listen to someone like no one in that job no one who has ever gotten to that position in life mm. has been that dismissive before you know i think that that to me was kind of unbelievable he did feel he did feel a bit far i th- i th- I think he's like two, it's two dimensional. It's like he has one his one thing that he can do because mm. he's the only one that feels completely a cipher. You know, like there are there are background characters that, like you even said before, even if they even if they're not doing much, they, they still feel threatening and they feel like they have a purpose and even a bit those, of character. Yeah, even those FBI guys that come into it at the end, they're flying around in the helicopter. They were more developed than that dude. Totally, and they they didn't do as much. They weren't in mm. it as much as that guy. Yeah. But yeah, every every literally everything he said, I swear to God, was just to contradict or undermine the main cop. Yeah. That's all he was there to do, and 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 I'm just like, come on, just do a bit more. You've 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 made an interesting villain, Alan Rickman. You know, like maybe he was based on someone that the writer knew. Did you know this was based on a book? Yeah, I didn't know that until I fucking had a bit of a read. Like what? That's again. There's probably it heaps comes of up at the beginning. There. It's in the opening credits. Says based yeah, but, on the novel. Yeah, but yeah. opening credits sometimes are just like. You're looking past them. Yeah, yeah, I'm just looking past them. I'm just looking at that beautiful sunset yeah. with the with the rap Christmas song. You I know? haven't I haven't read the book, so I don't I can't talk about who, that. Who, who's fucking read the book? Who? No one's read the Die Hard book. Like, let's be honest. There's a few you people know? who have read it because of Die Hard. Because I'm close to doing that, but I'm not going to. But there are people who are a bit more willing than me. There's, uh, you know, I'm sure it's a really interesting book or whatever. We should read the Die Hard book and do a review on that. Yeah, but it's, but it's like in a series and there's like ones before this. Oh, is it? Are they really? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't have the time to read a series of fucking. Maybe they're a bit like, um, 
uh, what's it called? Um, Jack Reacher, like those type of things where it's like just a, an action guy who gets into uh, action situations. Like Alex every Cross book. sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, 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 that type of shit. Mm. Um, what did you think of uh, Alan Rickman in this film? Yeah, I love Alan Rickman. Mm. And he's really good in this. He's like really good at playing a bad guy. Yeah, he's um I it's 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 interesting cuz he's in this film. This is like 1988. Mm. And he's in a lot of good movies, but I feel like he kind of didn't really become super established for like another 10 years. Until Do you know what I mean? After Die Hard? Yeah, like he did this film. Yeah. And then I feel like he just kind of went away. <laughs> You know, and until Harry later, Potter, yeah, and well, and kind, I guess so. Like, I'm sure he's in a bunch of other movies after, but um, you know, like I, I think the first thing I remember after this, um, was fucking uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, like Dogma, and, like Galaxy Quest, and that's like <laughs> ten years later. You know, and yeah. it, there's just ten years in between being like second billing in a film. And then, yeah, but I think at the time it wasn't Die Hard. It's like, oh, you played the bad guy in Die Hard. That's not really like guaranteed to. Yeah, but he does. He did really well, though. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, but still, I mean, what would you then cast a guy like that in? It's like I'm not casting the villain from Die Hard in my movie. He's such a specific-looking guy, and everyone knows him from Die Hard. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Like they, they. I think people need to have a bit more of an open mind. Oh, fuck it. Actually, know what? He was in the Robin Hood film. I forgot about that. You know the you know the Kevin Costner Robin Hood film? Yeah. <laughs> he so his the career kicked that. off and didn't stop until he died. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Alan Rickman. That, that movie's a bit of a joke. The fucking um, Kevin, Kevin Costner uh, Robin Hood. But, but, you know, Alan Rickman's good in it. I haven't um, seen it. Yeah, you don't. You don't need to. You can really. You can honestly just pass on that one. Um, my, I think. I think my favorite thing about this is is Alan Rickman as Hans and how fucked up Bruce Willis gets. Like there is that image. I don't know if you remember the, just the shot. There's like an overhead shot of just John as he's like pulling himself into a room, mm. and it's just his fucked up feet just like fucking spreading oh, yeah. that blood gets me everywhere. every time seeing just how much blood is coming out of his feet yeah it's just so cooked you know and it's it makes me uncomfortable but and then he's pulling glass out of his feet and shit yeah it's just it's just fucking it's it's really good um yeah they don't do that enough where the action guy gets fucked up that's part of the reason why john wick's so good because he gets he gets fucking killed you see him slowing down but still fast enough to kill, like, oh, sorry, I'm talking about John Wick. You know, mm. you see him getting affected by these things, but he's mm. still able to just oh, man. pull and you out see, the victories. You see um, uh, John McClane slowing down too. Like, unlike a fucking Die Hard 5, where it's like he's he's got blood on him and he's just walking normally, like he's walking back to his trailer. This one, he comes out at the end and he's just limping, like he can barely stand. And he's like, Hans! Oh, and it's it's fucking sick, and they don't do that enough. Where it's like uh, let that guy get all fucked up because it's. I sick. don't. I don't think a lot of people would think about cinematography when they think of Die Hard, but everything is purposeful. 
Mm. And even though it's not like crazy cinematography and all that stuff, everything is very deliberate and well done. No, yeah, it's a perfect example of a motivated camera. Yeah, um, everything's subtle, but does exactly what it needs to do, you know? Yeah, and um, also like a lot of wides, like they, they don't, they don't go crazy with the close-ups mm. like Die Hard 5, which is all close-ups. This, this one that the camera is just left back to like capture the action for most yeah. of it, even you in know, like intense conversations. So when they do use a close-up, it's like, oh shit. They shot this film and there was a shot list and they knew exactly what they wanted and every shot serves a purpose mm. as opposed to just covering the fuck out of it and then over editing, you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really hiding the fact that they had no idea what they're just doing. Just get coverage, which, just get coverage, we'll figure it out in post. Which uh, happens in our next film. Um, do you have anything else you want to say about Die Hard? Nah, Die Hard's sick, everyone knows that. Uh, so, uh, after talking about Die Hard, which I, I have to say is probably one of my favorite action movies. Yeah. I could almost say it is my favorite action movie, maybe. It's not my favorite, but it's definitely up there. But I probably do think, oh, I guess just one last quick thing about Die Hard. I guess I do think maybe it's a little overrated, but only because it's considered like the best action movie ever. Dane, can you stop being a fucking hipster? <laughs> What's overrated about fucking Die Hard? I called, I called it a near-perfect film. Yeah, but then you start calling it overrated. Like, what does that even mean? No, overrated like, is it because, in terms is it of like... people like it not for the the mise-en-scene and like the the things that are really cool? Like, why is it overrated? Please I just explain. think because, like I said before, it has a hardcore fan base, and they're so just because like, people like it, it's overrated. No, they just extremely love it. I love Die Hard. All right, cool. Well, you're allowed to, and I just don't like. I just don't extremely love it. So therefore, I'm like, that's that's my definition of overrated. I'm not being like it's actually shit. No, no, no. Like I think overrated means it hasn't earned or it isn't good enough to have oh. that response that's what oh, overrated well, i don't is. think I, yeah okay fine but i don't think anything deserves that response okay they're, so they're that, a little they're a little extreme with how that's a bit of a that's a bit of a that's a debate for another time i yeah, think I <laughs> yeah fair enough oh uh, sorry think I, I said die hard's overrated oh fuck next you'll be saying like fucking christmas is overrated dane and we all have to have the christmas spirit you know i, I uh, won't be such a grinch for die hard i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> Dane doesn't like Die Hard, guys. Just, just <laughs> saying that now. Dane doesn't like Die Hard. Anyway. Um, so... What's up, bro? Heard you didn't like Die Hard. Yeah. I get, I get beaten up by a bunch of guys in John McClane singles. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see that happen. Um, so, uh, we're now, now we have to talk about um, Die Hard 5. What's it actually I, called? Sorry, it's called A Good Day to Die Hard. Sorry. Medea's good day big happy hard. family die hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit title as well. <laughs> Just call it Die Hard 5. Yeah. Is there any way they could fit the 5 into the name? You know, like the A in hard is just the 5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should have had some crap like that. <laughs> At least it would have been like even more tacky. Um, so, uh, what's the, uh, what's the, uh, plot to a good day to die hard? Oh, Jesus. 
You got to try um, hard, Dane. You got to <clears throat> got to give this as much vigor. Yeah. As, okay. as you possibly can. Okay. So, uh, John McClane has a son and he's like a grown man because John McClane's an old man now. And uh, he's a delinquent or something. Hasn't spoken to him for years. Anyway, John McClane is just uh, shooting uh, paper in the, in the gun range. And uh, this guy comes in. He's like, we got this file on your son. He's in trouble in Russia. He's, and, and then John McClane's like, oh, my bloody son. And so he goes over to Russia to go find his son because his son's on trial there. John McClane doesn't make any contacts or anything, by the way. He just flies to Russia and goes to the courthouse and stands on the outside behind the press and struggles to see what's going on. So he's not really with it. I think he's like senile now. Anyway, so then he busts out of prison. Turns out, <laughs> turns out his son is a CIA double agent or some shit. And then he, they, a bunch of guys shoot at them for some reason. And they are with a guy who they have to protect. But then they lose the guy. And, uh, and now John McClane's like, oh, let's go get the bad guys. And then he's like, yeah, they want to destroy the world. And he's like, well, we'll go kill them. And then they go, uh, then they go kill them. And uh, there's this whole, the plot is mainly in who the villains are. And I did not follow that at all. Yes. The Russian scientist something. So unfortunately, because uh, Dane actually came to to the big smoke to have a bit of a hangout. Um, and I hadn't watched Die Hard 5 yet. So Dane was nice enough to watch Die Hard 5 two days in a row. So, I watched um, it twice. I watched yeah, it twice. So. Yeah, no one's ever seen this film twice, except for you. <laughs> I've seen it three times now because oh, I saw it, it when it came times. out. Jesus yeah. Christ, that's, that's too many times. Um, so... Honestly, this this film is doesn't feel like a diehard film at all. No, you know, like if if you were one of those people that forgot that the character's name was John McClane, if you had forgotten that, um, which you know I can imagine some people don't know that John McClane is the lead character in Die Hard, they just know it's Bruce Willis, right? You pop this film on and they won't know it's Die Hard. No, you know, it has nothing. It has it. What what things that make it die hard are so surface level? Um, it's yeah, they're it's, like little winks, little occasional winks where he, he they call him cowboy, and then he at the end he says yippee motherfucker, and yeah. he says it like he says it with such enthusiasm in the first one where he's like yippee motherfucker, yeah. and uh, in this one he's just like yippee motherfucker, like. <laughs> I'm only well, doing, and then Bruce Willis turns to the cameraman and he's like, "I'm only doing one of those. Like, that's it. You got it. I'm going back yeah, to my trailer." I, I I can almost guarantee he didn't even want to do it once. No, no, not at all. He, they know, just I don't think he do wanted it. to do anything here more than once. He was probably like, "I'll say that if you give me an extra ten million dollars." Yeah. So unlike the the complete opposite of Die Hard One. In this film, Bruce Willis is almost a bulletproof human being. You know, um, he he. Te- we we were just perplexed as to how much of the movie he went through without having a scratch on him. I think I think probably by the end of the second act, mm. uh, about an hour in, he probably that's when he starts to you know, get a bit cut up. Yeah. He like, he gets into a car chase early on and the car yeah. flips, like flips 10 times through the air and crashes. And he gets out of the car, not a scratch on him and goes, oh, oh. 
And then he gets hit by a car, like in the same scene immediately after mm. and gets up and he's like, Jesus. And then he rolls his shoulder and mm. punches a guy out in one hit. And then he rolls that car a bit later and gets out and he's just like, oh, what a day. Mm. And it's not until halfway through the film where he falls off a fucking building. He comes out of a bunch of dust and he's got a bit of blood on his head. Yeah, like a bit, you know, <laughs> it's just it's it. Honestly, I think I think they just fucked up Jai Courtney. I think because like he's just dying, right? It's funny that Jai Courtney does get injured when Bruce Willis doesn't. Like he's got he's got fucking like a pipe stuck in his leg and he's covered in blood and he's going uh, uh, and he's puff and he's puffing and shit. Bruce Willis isn't even sweating. He's just standing there in a dirty white shirt. Yeah, it's it. it honestly, this film, I, like a, a part of the charm. I, 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 I'm not going to say it's the whole film for Die Hard 1, but you've got an interesting villain, you know, that helps push it forward. The supporting characters are all interesting and how they interact is good. And it's a bit funny, you know, that there's a lot of humor in Die Hard. Mm. If you strip all of those things out, mm. then all you've got is a Bruce Willis movie. Yeah, Die Hard is uh, almost like a campy film. It's a lot of like camp in it but they take it seriously, but it's still campy and has your one-liners and you shit. You can say that for all four of the previous ones. Yeah, Would this one, yeah, this one, no. Like, we kept saying when we were watching it, like, okay, so this was a spec script about what? And it's like, it was just the Russian plot. And then, yeah. they, then they didn't even change it. They just wrote lines for Bruce Willis and made an excuse for him to be there. Like, he's in the same scenes... And it looks like he's from a different movie. I know, it but, really but the does. thing is, like, I, I googled it, and the guy that wrote this wrote Die Hard 4. Yeah, but Die Hard 4 was... Like, I think all of them were other movies that they made into Die Hard movies. Yeah, so this one this just didn't one, match enough. Yeah, this one, they just didn't change it up into a Die Hard movie. They mm. just wrote, uh, like, dialogue for for bruce willis and they're like i will figure out how he gets there because mm -hmm. it, it's like he he disappears honestly he disappears during some scenes when jai courtney's with the terrorists or whatever and he's interrogating them they'd never cut to him he's it's like he's not in the room and mm -hmm. then one guy says something and john mcclain just turns around he's like hey shut it bitch mm -hmm. and, so, and then he goes back to disappearing when do you think because honestly if you have none of the original ingredients to make Die Hard like interesting or make Die Hard Die Hard, and then the only thing you have is Bruce Willis, mm. but you've got a Bruce Willis that doesn't care. Yeah, no. And he's, so and he's even, very openly not caring. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to be there. He's getting paid probably a bulk of the budget. He does so little. He does so little in this movie. Even when he's shooting guns, he just stands there and shoots a shitload of guys. And then he's like, I'm on vacation. And yeah. then that's it. He just stands around. And he honestly, he's just like, honestly, yeah, he's completely pointless. And I think, I think they were trying to pass over the, the mantle of John McClane because his son's named John McClane. Yeah, they make that obvious. Like, he's, he's Jack McClane, and you already see the soft reboot trappings. You're like, okay, so they're going to try to make a Die Hard 6 with Jai Courtney. Like, fuck off, I'll watch that. I can't stop. 
stand Jai Courtney. He's the worst. But then at the end of the film, it, it there's the big revelation that his name isn't Jack, it's John. And he's like, yeah, you're John McClane Jr. And then he's like, and that makes you a senior. And he's like, don't you forget it. And it's like, I'm not watching a Die Hard movie with Jai Courtney and not Bruce Willis. In fact, I'm not watching another Bruce Willis one. No one ever will watch that movie. That movie will die a death. Like, this movie still made money, you know? Yeah, it um, would, just because it's Die Hard 5. Yeah, just... I don't know, it was... it, And, and like, where, where the cinematography was purposeful and subtle and nice and interesting in the mm. first one... Again, I, I think this this film falls victim to the to the we'll just shoot everything with yeah, our high high quality four K cameras. We'll just yeah. shoot six of them. It's just it's just shaky cam coverage. Ge- the geography geography is an important, especially when it comes to an action film. Mm. You need to know where everyone is at all times. If yeah. you don't, you're you lose your audience yeah. straight away. And there's I no think... stakes. There's no tension. Yeah, you want to I see think... how close they're getting to each other. Yeah, they, would, think... they were just transporting around. They were just standing around gray metal, punching each other in shaky close-ups. And then, then there's just like, oh, Jack. And then someone shoots a gun and someone falls down. And you're like, where are they? What's going on? Mm, mm. Yeah, and then like just that the, there's a scene at the beginning where... Um... Someone blows something up and then a bunch of people turn up and then John McClane's just staring in a, in a direction. And then it, it's like, it just feels like the, the cutting and the, and everything felt like these were all happening at different locations and yeah. they weren't related to each other at all, which is highly distressing when you're trying to follow what's happening. Yeah. Um, jo- I, <laughs> I remember we were saying, uh, is is John McClane during the car chase. It's meant to be a three-string car chase. And we were like, is John McClane in another part of the city? Yeah. And then and then the next and then he like yells something. I'm like, is he talking to one of the cars? I don't even know if they're on the same road. Yeah. I that I think there's a point too where he's just like driving along. Like you think he's right behind them? And then all of a sudden, he's just on a bridge, and he looks down and he spots them. And it's yeah, like, I thought he was chasing them, but yeah. he was—he didn't even know where they were. Yeah, like, what is going on here? <laughs> also, the 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 color palette, like, uh, the it looked like the Matrix shit all over the film. Like, it was just this weird green. Yeah, it's just this teal overlay, which just is so harsh. But but the world doesn't look like that. Like one of my favorite memes is like, "This is Mexico. This is how Mexico looks in movies, and everything's mm. kind of like a bit red." Mm. You know, it's like Russia has to be like really blue or like really green. It's <laughs> so blue. It's like it's this teal, like that bluey green. And some at some points, people are standing there talking, and their fucking face is just completely dark green. They're Everyone's like got Lyme disease, you know. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But that's a lazy action movie thing, like blue, like teal, teal overlays. Something about it makes it look like a sort of cheap cinematic experience. I, I don't, I don't know you, what it is. I read a thing about it. You once. know who did it? You know who does it? Who did it a lot? And I'm a bit of an apologist for him. But it's a very much a Tony Scott thing. Mm. 
Tony Scott would do that shit all the time. But, you it, know? It, like, but it, it can have a nice effect if it's subtle. If yeah. it's just this sort of tonal overlay and it's and it's subtle, it can create a dramatic effect. Well, I, I, I know Tony just, Scott like, does dark these big... teal all over the screen and, and most of it's shot in darkness. You're like, what the fuck I think is I could, this? I think I could explain it for Tony Scott because a lot of his movies are like espionage films that take place over a lot of locations yeah. in the world. So to kind of distinguish where we are, I think that might be why he did it. Well, but if I'll... this whole film's in Russia, yeah. there's no need to do it. I'll you know? apologize for um, Shaky Cam as well because I really like the Bourne trilogy and I felt like that was a justified choice. Oh, and I think they went too far, even those films with that stuff, to be some honest. Some parts they went, at, some parts they, 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 I think they go a bit far. But I think it's supremacy, like, I think, almost made me a bit sick at times. I think the second the, one. Yeah, I think for the most part it, it works and I can tell that it's a, it's a choice for a reason this is just i will just shake the camera around makes it look like something's happening now it's to hide the edits it's to it's to basically shaking the camera mm. and putting a teal overlay is to and and then have loud bombastic music is to kind of trick us into thinking something's happening when it's not yeah nothing's happening there's this one point where we're watching through five different angles of shaky cam teal uh he's just sitting in this taxi talking to a taxi driver we don't get any information about the plot at all during this time and nothing happens he just Mm. has banter with a taxi driver no shit five minutes and it's just this guy being like I'm a good singer, New York, New York. And John McClane's like, yeah, I love hot dogs at the ballpark. And then he's just like, anyway, where do I go? And he's like, oh, you go over there. And then he gets out of the taxi. He's like, why was I sitting in this taxi this whole time if it was just there? Yeah, and what were we just talking about? What's happening? Am I in a movie? Yes, you are, cunt. Fucking Bruce Willis is lazy, man. And I don't like him because it's like when Harrison Ford cashes in on this shit, it's like, I kind of think it's funny when he does it. When Bruce Willis does it, I'm like, you don't have to do that because you're being kind of a dick. Well, I think, I think like Bruce, uh, like what's his name? Fucking Harrison Ford coming back and cashing in. I think he's done it like what, two or three times. And I think the caveat has been, except for maybe Indiana Jones, that he's like, okay, I'll do one more, but you got to kill off my character. Yeah. <laughs> like he has the decency to go, look, I'll come back because I can understand that this isn't resolved. Mm. Um, yeah. Kill me though. Like have me get stabbed by Kylo Ren, mm. have me shot by a synthetic or whatever, mm. you know, like. Yeah. Cause I'm never doing this again. Yeah. Basically like I, I, I Give I'm me not... $15 million and then we're done. This is a bit of an Australian reference, but like Harrison Ford's on a bit of a John Farnham final tour at the moment and just cashing in on the last little franchises he has before I think he just sits back and Jack Nicholson's it and just sits back and enjoys retirement. Yeah, him, Where, like, Jack Nicholson and Bruce Willis what's all hang Bruce out in Willis's... white shirts and smoke cigars. Oh, fucking Bruce Willis doesn't hang out with them. Bruce Willis, I think, just sits at home and grumbles. Like, I, <laughs> honestly, I think he's been 70 for like 30 years now. Yeah. Actually, no, no, no. Actually, no. Like, what, when was the last, what was the last good or, or movie of Bruce Willis's that he tried? I don't know. It was probably some Wes Anderson shit. Oh yeah. I forgot that he's in those. 
Yeah, I think he still likes that stuff. But it's, when it comes he... to his action movies, he's like, oh, I don't want to fucking do this. Then why does he still appear in these films then? Like, he has the money. money. Yeah, but nah, you how get much more money, money do you need? All the money. You need all of the money. <laughs> you got to like... get as much as possible. Okay, so I'm just going to go... Because I know this is super interesting just, like, looking at well, Wikipedia. But, you know, in, in recent times... Everything that I've seen here, except for maybe, I think he probably did glass from a, from a, from the right place. Yeah. You know, I think he did glass because he wanted to continue that story. I I, I didn't see glass. I don't know if it's any good. It's probably really shit. Um, but before that, Sin City 2, nah, I don't need to see that. I, I, I didn't need to see that one. That was um, a weird one. That came out so late. <laughs> Yeah, that was bizarre. years later or some shit. That was bizarre. Moon- yeah, so Moonrise Kingdom, 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and then anything after that is just fucking... And he's doing like three things a year. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's one of those He's one of those guys now. Like, look up Val Kilmer. He's probably doing shit right now. So it's like you just start showing up and selling your name. Been like, oh, Bruce Willis action movie, and it's got him holding a gun. But yeah, most but, of the, but when is, most when of the is, movie, he sits in a car and walks around, and then maybe shoots a gun. When did Val Kilmer ever sell a movie? When did you ever go, oh, Val Kilmer's in this? I don't know. Well, he still appears on like straight to DVD things with his name on it. Yeah, but so. you're not gonna buy a movie because Val Kilmer's in it. Even when he was Batman, you bought it because it was a fucking Batman movie. You know, I'm, not not Val Kilmer. Yeah, well, I'm not. I don't know. Maybe he's tricking people. Hey, Stallone's still making sh- not Stallone. Mm. Um, Steven Seagal still makes straight to DVD things with his name on it. It's uh, there, straight to stream now. There's a bit of a there's a there's a bit of a meme in the filmmaking community. Um, MSM um, movie set memes. I, I love that shit. Uh, do you know Eric Roberts? Yeah, I know the face. Yeah, so that's like he's he plays Carmine in. Um, in fucking the Dark Knight, he plays the gangster, and he's oh, in, yeah. he's in fucking everything. Like it's a it's it's actually a meme online that every like most people have who have worked in Hollywood have at least worked on a movie that Eric Roberts is in because he just <laughs> is in everything. You know, like always working, always always working. Always, sh- always showing up for a. Minute it's or like two. if my if my if I'm gonna get paid less, I'm gonna have to do five things a year instead. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Val Kilmer was in one movie this year, and that was the Jane Song of Bob film. <laughs> <laughs> one movie last year, and then uh, four movies the year before. Right. Jesus Christ! Yeah, um, and, and they're and they're all movies called like Time to Kill. Yeah, yeah, stupid shit. Um, okay, so what's what's the biggest compliment you can give uh, a Good Day to Die Hard? It's short. It's only it's like ninety eight minutes. It's so. the shortest in the franchise. Yeah, by far, and it's yeah. I was really grateful for that. I was like, thank God. Imagine if I had another half hour to go, I'd be so mad. But you know, it it, it comes in, it does a little shit on your floor, and then it shows itself out, and you're like, all right. Okay. You know, I can clean Could up. Could have been that worse. I can I can clean up that rabbit poo. Yeah. Um. If okay, so if you were to make a a Die Hard six. <laughs> what would you do? How would you make Die Hard 6? I'd lean into Bruce Willis's unwillingness to do it. I'd be like, your character's in a wheelchair the whole time. 
And, uh, and yeah, but he'd fucking hate that. No, because you just sit down and nothing happens to you because Justin Long from Die Hard 4 soups out the wheelchair. So he's like this killing machine on the wheelchair. (laughs) Do you think we could fuse that together with, I don't know if you remember, but I pitched a, um, uh, Die Hard in a nursing home. Yeah, see, that would actually be heaps good. So, like, Die Hard in a nursing home, but Bruce Willis... Can we just call him Die Hard? Like, he's not John McClane, (laughs) he's just Die Hard. Yeah, so Die Hard's in the nursing home? Yeah, Die Hard's in a a wheelchair in the nursing home. And, um, yeah, why are terrorists attacking a nursing home? (laughs) To, um, yeah, to steal all the, um... The, the money and then he's like what are you crazy there's no money here motherfucker and, and he's like and then it turns out there is this gold bars and no 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 so like he, they think there's like an actual big reason but what they're doing is they're like getting all the demented people like the people with dementia to sign like new wills that like give the money to the terrorists so it's <laughs> still still about money oh wait quickly i want to go just quickly back to die hard five the reveal at the end that the bad guy was someone else. Like it, it's revealed that the bad guy isn't the person that's been the bad guy. It's been this like pathetic fucking shill of a human being that's handcuffed the whole time. And that's meant to be a surprise, mm-hmm. even though he just looks dodgy. But then they also have the audacity to turn around and be like, repeat the ending of Die Hard where it's revealed that it was all just for money. Yeah, I just found that so insulting. Yeah. You know? It has a lot of those things like that, like nostalgia throwbacks. Yeah. Because it is sort of like a soft reboot Mm. in a way. Um, Although it doesn't work as one, like not even a successful, like certainly not a successful one, not even a failing one because you can, it, it can look a bit like, oh, it's not a soft reboot because it, because it, doesn't feel like that but i think it's because jai courtney like even though he's the main character you keep wondering if he's even in it you forget about him as soon as he's off camera yeah yeah and then he pops back up and every single time he pops back up i'm like oh yeah jai courtney's in this fuck Uh, him (laughs) he's so boring he's he's a i don't know someone described him once as a charisma vacuum and i've like latched on to (laughs) that so just when he's around it just sucks out any dramatic energy oh he's he's such a drain Mm. it's just Um, like a head dropper compliments um for me for this film again it's not long Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't stick around too long. I, f- I found watching Bruce Willis not giving a fuck entertaining. Yeah, that was really entertaining. Like, it's like how much he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, that made it, that made it like funny in a, in a different kind of way. Also, the, I liked the way they killed the villain as well. I oh, thought that threw was kind of the funny. Helicopter? Yeah, just like out of nowhere, a helicopter's flying past and yeah. like the bad guy gets thrown into a propeller. I give him credit for, like, somehow trying to even justify that. Like That is kind of like this movie in how it's... With its soft rebootiness. Just like in Die Hard where Hans Gruber falls off the building and you have this slow-mo of watching his face as he starts to fall. They do the same thing with this guy. You see him, like, slow-mo fall. And then you see the helicopter blades coming along. And then he gets uh, turned into... blood mist spaghetti from, bolognese yeah, yeah from a cgi helicopter as we then cut to a shot 
of um, Jack Courtney looking buff. Yeah. <laughs> um, how many how many stars would you give this uh, this film? Uh, oh, sorry, no. Fuck, I'm I'm terrible. I retire. <laughs> um, how many farts would you give this uh, this movie, Dane? How many uh, farts? Die Hard with a Vengeance. What is this one called? So, a good day to die hard. A good day to die hard gets a good two farts out of ten for me. Two? Yeah, because it's two not because it's not long, and if you if you want to watch like a a shitty Hollywood movie. Uh, like a real what like they they get good when they're like real lazy and not even trying to hide the cash grabbiness and uh bruce willis doesn't try so that makes it fun and you get to watch jai courtney eat shit i think there are better movies like that to watch yeah but you can this. watch this like i could sit around with a friend and be like do you want to put on die hard five it, like we'll laugh we will be pissed off by the end, but it doesn't go for too long and we will laugh because it, it has funny shit in it. I'm not going to on purpose put something that I've seen before that's going to piss me off. Uh, yeah. um, I, I, I'd give this one, one fart, mm. you know, um, and oh yeah, I forgot you hate Die Hard. So what would you, <laughs> what would you give? What was your rating for the original Die Hard? No, I love Seeing Die as Hard. you fucking hate it. I love Die Hard 10 farts. Ten farts. Yeah, ten farts. You're giving an hard. overrated movie ten farts. No, no. <laughs> Do not turn this around into me becoming the ultimate diehard villain. Okay, yeah, I'd give, I'd give, um, just, I don't know. Again, I, I, I feel like I can't free. I, I'm not gonna throw up my first ten farts, just uh, willy nilly. So um, I'm gonna have to give it nine, nine farts. So, so yeah. I like Die Hard more than you. Yeah, even though you think it's overrated. Can't how about like, that? How about that? That's a how interesting turn of events. <laughs> you 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 hate it, and yet you gave it more than me. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, I think I think that's all we have time for for this. Um. What uh. What what do you what do you recommend for next week, Dane? Uh. Shit. I had it. Um. Oh. Okay. We're gonna be watching. The um, written works of Dan Aykroyd. Oh my God! I don't even know what what those are. <clears throat> he's um, written he's written movies. So I have to put all of the movies that he's done the screenplays for, and determine which one is the best and which one is the worst. Yeah. Interesting. I just want to get. I just want to have an idea of what he wrote. Um, well, did he write the Buzz Brothers? Yeah, Ghostbusters, Blues Brothers. Oh, that's actually good. I'm nothing, actually nothing, nothing but trouble, which uh, is my bet for what we'll be watching. Oh fuck! He did Spies Like Us. He wrote that. Um, right, Ghostbusters two, Nothing But Trouble. I don't even know Nothing But Trouble. What the fuck is this shit? Oh, that's a weird one. I hope we get to watch that. Is that that's oh it's a it's a it's a post Chevy Chase being good Chevy Chase film. Yeah, Shit. Chevy Chevy Chase has no idea what's going on in that movie. I'm, I'm sorry, doesn't... I don't think we're going to watch nothing but trouble because he wrote Coneheads. Oh, okay. I don't want to watch Coneheads. Uh, I want to watch Coneheads. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a seizure if I watch like fucking the Blues Brothers then fucking Coneheads. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, cool. I'll do the I'll do the math on this one and we'll. We'll figure it out. My God. Anyway, this has been uh, Movie Butts. 
Um, thank you for listening. Sorry if we've been inappropriate. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs>